You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, episode number 301. Do or do not. There is no try. Yoda. Broadcasting from a dark, windowless room in Hollywood, when we really should be working on that next draft. It's the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, showing you the craft and business of screenwriting while teaching you how to make your screenplay bulletproof. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Now, today's show is sponsored by Bulletproof Script Coverage. Now, unlike other script coverage services, Bulletproof Script Coverage actually focuses on the kind of project you are and the goals of the project you are. So we actually break it down by three categories, micro-budget, indie film market, and studio film. There's no reason to get coverage from a reader that's used to reading tentpole movies when your movie is going to be done for $100,000. And we wanted to focus on that at Bulletproof Script Coverage. Our readers have worked with Marvel Studios, CAA, WME, NBC, HBO, Disney, Scott Free, Warner Brothers, The Blacklist, and many, many more. So if you need your screenplay or TV script covered by professional readers, head on over to CoverMyScreenplay.com. Now, guys, today on the show, we have writer, director, producer, and author Clarissa Jacobson. And she is the author of the amazingly titled new book, I Made a Short Film, Now What the F Do I Do With It?, And it covers everything from what festivals to submit to, how to maximize your money, secure an international presence, deal with rejection, gain publicity, harness the power of social media. She discusses what sales reps do and much, much more. I absolutely loved the book and loved our conversation. Really, She really gets into the weeds on how to maneuver in film festivals in today's world. So without any further ado... Please enjoy my entertaining and informational conversation with Clarissa Jacobson. I'd like to welcome to the show Clarissa Jacobson. How are you doing, Clarissa? I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be on your show because it's so freaking awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We were talking a little bit off air uh, and I appreciate all the kind words you said about the show and that you're, you know, that you've been listening to it for a while and you found me through distribution where a lot of filmmakers uh, end up finding me when they start running into that wall. <laughs> They're Creepy looking. gray area. This is, this is no fun and nobody knows anything about and we're all terrified. <laughs> right, exactly. And then, of course, after you listen to me, you're even more scared because <laughs> because I tell you the truth. I'm like, no, you're never going to make money here. This is how they're going to screw you there. Don't sign this here. And and uh, hey, all knowledge is power, even if it, it's scary. <laughs> it's I'd rather you I'd rather you be scared than lose your movie. Uh, exactly. So but I'm but I'm happy to have you on the show. And uh, yeah, you reached out to me uh, about your book that you wrote called I Made a Short Film. Now, what the F do I do with it? <laughs> a guide to film festivals, promotions and surviving the ride. Based on the title alone, I said, well, I have to have her on the show. I, I mean, because I was like, this seems like the kind of gal that I, I can vibe with uh, yeah, on the show because it's uh, it's no nonsense. Yeah, that was my working title. And then I just never changed it. <laughs> and it's super long. So now I just call it my WTF book. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so many, so, so many filmmakers do make short films. I mean, I have a, a long history of making short films and having some success with them early on in my career, but there is so much misinformation about 
short films, how you, you what you do with them, can you monetize them? How do you run the festival circuit? Is you know where do you go with it? All this kind of stuff. So, before we jump into the into the weeds, how did you get started in the business? Well, I when I was a little kid, I thought I wanted to be an actress, so I did the whole acting thing. I went to acting school. Um, you know, I went to Indiana University and majored in theater, and then I went to American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York City, and I did that whole thing. But I was always writing, and the thing about acting is you need so many people to <clears throat> to do it. You know, so I had all this pent up, pent up artistic energy all the time that I could never use. Because if you're not in a play or you're not, you, you just can't use it. And um, I stumbled on, it's a long story how I met my mentor, Joe Bratcher, who teaches Twin Bridges Writing Salon. Um, but I, I, he offered me a class and I was like, well, I'm an actress. I don't write, you know, like I'm an actress. <laughs> but I took okay. like, a, yeah, and I took a few, but I was kind of getting that burned out stage where I was feeling like the bitter actress, you know. Um, but I was always trying to do my own projects. And then I started, um, screenwriting with him and I just never looked back. And I had like, you know, that weird come to Jesus moment where I had to like, cause I always like want to commit to one thing and really be good at it. And I was like, you know, freaked out going, Oh my God, my whole life I've studied being an actress. I'm leaving that behind. I'm a failure at it. And my friend was like, you know, life is like a tributary. You're just taking another, you know, waterway. And that was like 14, 15 years ago. And I don't miss acting at all. And I just love screenwriting so much. And then I made a short film for a variety of reasons. And that's when I really realized, holy shit, I'm a filmmaker. Mm. Like that's where I fit like 100%. I fit as a filmmaker. I mean, screenwriting first and foremost, but I, I don't want to just give my screenplays over. I like to be part of the whole process. I just freaking love it. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, it, it, you know, a lot of times you walk into this business wanting to do one thing and then you find yourself doing something else. And yeah. it's, I mean, I walked in wanting to be a director and I, and that still, still was my goal, but I fell in love with editing because it's exactly. like, oh, I can make a living and I can learn and I can make connections. I'm like, this seems like a good job. And I, I get some carpal tunnel. I, I work in an air conditioned room. I'm good. I'm good to go. I don't have to be on set all day as a, as a PA. Cause that stinks. Uh, you know, when I first started, I was like three o'clock in the morning call. What the yeah, hell is it? Oh, I'm getting $75. Well, that's fantastic. And by the <laughs> way, that was $75 back in 1995. <laughs> Whoa! Not seventy five dollars today. Seventy five dollars. I mean, that was some fun money, man. That was some like that was some mad money back in the day. Yeah. But um, so I so you uh, so let's discuss your book. How I made short films. Uh, I made I made my short film now. What the f do I do like, with do it? I do it? Um, how? So you, we're gonna go over a bunch of stuff. But one thing is okay. a question that we I always get people asking me about is branding because I've done, I've done a, a decent job branding my show and branding mm -hmm. myself over the years. How do you brand a short in your opinion? Um, well, with my situation, I just looked at this, the story and what, what little thing that I could pull from it that would be that people could latch onto. And that was my lunch. So my movie's a comedy horror about lunch ladies. So first thing I did is I was like, okay, where does my film take place? It takes place in a school. So when I made the website, I, I don't know where I learned this. I learned somewhere along the line that you, you always do the same type of fonts. You do the same. So I got started doing like, you know, it was going to be the century school book font. It was going to look like a school. It was going to have the same attitude as the film. And when, when it, I talk to other filmmakers, short filmmakers about branding, I, I say, you know, don't 
don't like freak out about it. Like, you know, you don't have to be some marketing genius or whatever. You have to find like that thing that you can pull from it that other people will react to. So like for me, I, I, my lunch ladies are reprehensible. They're, they're like really, they're, they're, they're bullied all the time. So you kind of, you feel for them, but they're reprehensible. So like, I, I kind of went the opposite. I branded it in a way that like everything was, if they got in a festival, they cheated to get in. Everything was, so I just found that like little niche kind of thing that I could hang my hat on. And then when I would do all the Instagram posts, the Facebook posts, all the products I took, um, I find that a lot of people just throw stuff together. Mm-hmm. I took like a really a lot of time um, making sure that everything like fit together, matched mm-hmm. with the fonts, looked together, looked good and that it was consistent across all the social media and um even my blogs like i mean if you i wrote like over 200 blogs during the course of it but like if you look at my beginning blogs there's there it, you can see how it's how it grows so like i always say you don't need to be at 100 when you start you just start somewhere and you and you brand it in a way that also it's information that you'd want to see like you have to like create a, a look for your film, whether it's comedy, horror, drama, or whatever. When you're creating content, that it's stuff that you want to look at, that you would want to look at. Because I see a lot of times people just want to like announce stuff. So, um, <laughs> so it's basically graphic graphic design 101. It's basically you're, like you're thinking about. Everything you just said is graphic design 101, yeah. which most filmmakers don't think about because they're like, oh, I'll just throw it up there. I'll just take a still and I'll grab whatever font that I find in in Canva or in Photoshop right. in my cracked version of Photoshop that I got somewhere. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Uh, <laughs> on my old yeah, Mac exactly. and they just slap it up there. And that's where I always find, I think that's really separates, uh, you know, f- projects is the design of the branding, how it looks before anyone even sees the movie. Cause exactly. most people, more people will see the website. Definitely more people will see the trailer and the poster. And that will tell me like, anytime I get sent video of, I get sent, um, pitches for being on the show I'll, I'll look at the trailer i'll look at the movie poster right and the second i look at it i'm like no they obviously don't know what they're doing purely on the scope of the design because design is so powerful uh totally. of, of a way to kind of introduce you to your world and if you haven't done a good job with your poster your website your trailer chances are I've never one. I've never once seen an insanely well done short or insanely well done feature that the poster and the trailer sucked. Right. Like, it and I think it's too like you have to come from such a place of creativity, like in, in that you have to think of the branding as as just as creative as the film. Mm-hmm. And you you know like I fought it. I didn't want to do it. Don't don't want to do this. Don't want to do that. But you know what? Like I just sucked it up. You got to just suck it up, <laughs> and you have to find a way to make it joyful. So what I did was I found a way to make it joyful. So when I would send out my postcards, because it's about lunch ladies, I would wrap them in, in, um, butcher wrap. I would send like the pins in like little wax paper bags with little stickers, you know, like just what would amuse me, you know, and try to make, make it fun. Because if you're not having fun and you're not being creative with it, it, it's not going to resonate. 
so like come from that authenticity of like what is fun like what excites me about how to how to how to do it and so that was kind of like always my thing like if if I was creating something or sending something out would I want to receive this and you know people would say you know nobody nobody cares they're just going to rip through that paper I'm like yeah but I know when that the programmer opens that package they they have a little smile on their face you know because right. it put a smile on my face. Right, exactly. And and sorry, so the, the other question is this branding. Uh, this is where a lot of, I think a lot of filmmakers make mistakes too. Is there a lot of times they'll brand their film for the mass audience, but you need to understand who your audience is. Is your audience the public or is it film festival programmers or is it exactly. studio execs mm-hmm. or is it financiers? Like you've got to really understand your audience. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think so. And I, and I also, you know, and I just think there's like a big thing to be said for consistency Mm -hmm. and putting yourself out there. I mean, I have a whole chapter on this about the fear of putting yourself out there because everybody, you know, it's so much easier to shout someone else's workout than your own. Mm-hmm. And you're afraid that people are going to go, oh, I that person is so egotistical because all they do is talk about their film. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Fuck them. Right. <laughs> like you got to talk about what you love. And if you have that, that passion and that authenticity and you're putting it out there and spending time like it, it takes time to like make your product look good. Like to, to, to not just slap together to, you know, stay up a little, a little later that night and like, make sure you have the right stuff that you're sending out, you know, like it, it takes time and that passion and putting it out there. Like people will respond to it. It's yeah. but that, that's called hustle. That's called work. Yeah. And, and yeah. a lot of filmmakers, they, they feel that the, once they're done with the short, I'm good. I don't need to do anything else. And that's, I don't want to do the non fun stuff. But that's why you got to make it fun. That's what right. I did. I tried. I made it. I made it. I made it. I made it as fun as I could. Right. I and and I, nobody thinks it's fun. They, they're all like, oh, you have a talent for it. I'm like, you know what? Everybody has a talent for it if you want to do it. Right. I, I personally love the branding. I love the marketing of of my projects and things like that, because it, it's I just think of it as just an extension of the creative process. For yeah, me. that's for me. That's yeah. exactly the way to think of it. I mean, exactly. you look at you look at Fincher and, and he's really in uh, David Fincher. He's really involved with his marketing. Stanley Kubrick was heavily involved yeah. with the marketing from the trailers to the artwork to every every aspect of the marketing process of his films, because he, he saw it as well. And so does Fincher that way and i i not that i'm putting myself in the same category as right you're absolutely right you have to have that creative yeah i mean that's the best thing uh, to think about it is like it's just an extension of the prod you know and 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 i think too you need to know what you want to do with your short like if you if you don't want to if you just want to go to film festivals and party your ass off and you don't care where your film goes and you don't need to do all that stuff but if you have a vision that you want it to be like a proof of concept or you want people to notice you then you have to find a way to connect the whole thing together and make it part of this. I mean, to me, it is part of the same thing. It's not as fun as making the film, but, right. um, you know, it's part of it. And I think the the big benefit that everyone has nowadays, and now I'm going to put on my old man hat because back in the <laughs> day, back in the days in the nineties, um, uh, it was a lot more difficult to put something together online. Uh, oh, I can't. Yeah, I remember I those mean, days. I mean, yeah, when you still had dial up and like DSL. Okay, stop it. You actually had to rent a camera to like do a little video. No, no, there was no video. We were 10 <laughs> years away from YouTube. 
Right. Okay, that's where we. That's where I was. That's how old I am, everyone. Like my acting things. I mean, I'm aging myself, but like my acting things. And you had to do like a thing, and I had to like hire somebody to bring a little camera. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It goes on a little tiny tape or whatever. Yeah, mini, or, mini DV tape, and they would they yeah. have to transfer it to a VHS. Uh, yeah, no, you just take a it's yeah, just like it's, ridiculous. Exactly. So, but the, the the point I'm making here is that when you when you you now have the ability to make yourself look much larger and much more established than you might be, because if you've got good design and you've got a solid website and you've got a solid trailer, agents, managers, financiers. Uh, um, uh, festival um, festival programmers they'll look at that and go wait a minute they must know what they're doing because that is the de- honestly a good design and good branding will set you apart set you because apart. it's so much nope. bad even just doing it that, that, so, there, so, so there's <laughs> different levels not doing it doing it badly and doing it really well and yeah. even doing it bad they're like well at least they got a website they must have done yeah. something right but if yeah. you do it really well and that's from my experience i mean i was with my first short film in 2005 i was i i got into like i think three four hundred film festivals with that it's with insane. that with it was a different time um it was a different it was world. awesome it was a different world back then but a lot of times it was about um, the the website we put together, which was a flash, mm-hmm. it was a flash website, um, but it, it was so far beyond anything a short film should ever have. Plus all the extra stuff I did for it and everything, so it looked so much bigger. I was getting called by like Oscar winning producers. They're like, "What's going on here? Can oh we God, can so we produce awesome. your? Oh, that's a whole. I'll write another book about that whole story. Yeah, you should one day I- about about what happened, the journeys I went through with that project. But it was about. The festival, the trailer, the branding. And I mm-hmm. did it instinctively. I didn't know any better. I didn't go like I got a graphic design. I got to make I did it instinctively. But I, I knew it was the same. Mine was like such a desire. Like I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my film. And I was like, if I if if this fails, it's going to fail because not because I didn't do everything I could to make it succeed. Right. So if it fails, then I can go, okay, well, I did everything I could. Right. So it was such a desire to have it succeed mm-hmm. that I just was like, I had to figure, I had to figure out how to make a website. I figured out like, I didn't know how to use Twitter. I was like, pound what? And they're like, no, it's hashtag. Like, you know, pound. <laughs> I didn't have a Facebook page. I was not interested in Facebook. I didn't, I was terrified to like, you know, to talk about it a little bit, you know, because I everything she's going to have an ego, but the passion to get it out there outweighed my fear. And then I became good, getting good at it. I came better, became better and better at it. You know, the more Absolutely. passionate I was about it. Absolutely. Now, speaking of social media, uh, do you think that you need to create a specific social media presence for each film? Or do you create a brand around yourself as the filmmaker and promote all of your projects through that, that those social channels? Well, I think you could do it either way. Like I have, a, I'm, a, I'm a co-creator with my um, partner, um, Shane Weber, and we have Rebel Minks, mm-hmm. but I still, you know, we have like everything. We have our projects all there, but I still like have a separate website for lunch ladies. We're doing a feature and I have a separate, I, a separate thing. I mean, unless you're like <sighs> Richard Linklater, right? Like everybody knows who you are. I think it's, I think it's harder to like drive people to it. 
than it would be just to, to send somebody your film and just go, hey, guess what? Go to my website and they don't have, you know, lunchladiesmovie.com and they can just look at it there versus going to my Rebel Minks website, trying to find where it is, trying to find what it's about. And you can put a lot more information. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Well, yeah, so like, but not as much on the websites. I agree with you on the websites. I'm talking about social oh. media. So, oh, you mean like, like uh, oh, do we have a do we have a lunch lady Twitter account which has maybe X amount of people on it, or do you go to Rebel Minks and have that as I your main? I prefer thing? to have one for the films because okay. that way you can gauge who's in, involved in the films. Okay. Versus, you know, I think versus just it might just be. You're, they might be into one film and not other. So you know how many, you can gauge how many people are into it. I think it's easier for, I don't know, like it feels like it's, it, it feels very professional to have a film website. Like, I don't, I mean, I haven't really looked at like, um, you know, the big films out there, but I would bet that like, like let's say Warner Brothers puts out a film. I bet all those films have their own social media. It just feels more. But they also have $200 million backing them. Right, but I don't, but. It doesn't cost anything to open a Twitter account. It doesn't cost no, no, anything no. to open it. I agree it's with just you. Work. Yeah, it's it's it's, work. it's it's a lot of work. Absolutely. I think it all depends too. Is how much how long? What's the long game here? Because if it's just the one movie, because it takes so long to get one movie made, let right. alone trying to do like two or three. So focusing all your energies at the beginning on individual projects it would be great. But then you could also coincide that with a company site. Or branded site like yeah. trauma, like trauma. I'm thinking like trauma films. And yeah, like, if you're well, making the same thing, because trauma has, I mean, not a different thing, but trauma has a very specific niche style. Right. So if you're a filmmaker, maybe who just does. So like, I have a comedy horror, horror I have a historical horror, I have dra- a feel good drama. I have. There's the, my films are very different. So right. it'd be hard. Somebody who likes, I mean, you know, they might people I think would like that like my stuff, like my voice, but they might not necessarily like my drama. They might only like my comedy horror. So then I'm, you know, I just feel like I can groom people so much more just having, you know, but like, like a trauma, you're expecting a certain, all those films are kind of have the same vibe. Yeah, you know? I, I agree. So if you are a filmmaker who's going to be like, I'm going to be a horror filmmaker and that's all I'm going to do. Right. That might be something that might to think be a, about. Yeah, I can see you doing that way. Yeah. Or if you're a comedy and all you do is comedy, there might right. be something. But if you want to, you know, move across. Uh, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Now, um, the the big thing with, film, with, uh, with short films is film festivals. Like, how do I get into film festivals? How do I submit to film festivals? What's the what's the it's a land. It's a landmine. Uh, yes. a land, a landfield, or is it landfield? A minefield, minefield, minefield yeah. a minefield of all sorts of do's and do nots and secret, like you shouldn't do that, but no one's ever told me that before and all this kind of stuff. So what advice do you have for, for filmmakers submitting to film festivals today? Um, well, first of all, and I think I read this in one, a book a while back and that, but I kind of perfected my way of doing it and is, is to have, to have a, a list um, but you, you can, you, you have an Excel spreadsheet where it tells what the early bird is, the, the, you know, the, so that, so that way you can track, you can look at that spreadsheet every day and track to get your films, to get your film in the early bird. So you can save money that way. And you can kind of organize it by, you know, by what you want from your film. So like, are you a person who wants to have maybe be nominated for an Oscar? So like, for example, I was like, yeah, 
fuck yeah, I want to be nominated for the Oscar. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for all the Oscar films for sure. Right. So I'll put those all on my list. And then I'm going to go for, you know, I'm going to do, I did a little research about, you know, you like great horror festivals. And so I knew I wanted to be a bunch of horror. So I put those on my list. And then I started really getting into the idea um, pretty early on that I was going to get subtitles for everything, because even though that's a little bit, um, up front, you put like a hundred bucks or whatever down for 200 bucks for your subtitles. In the end, it saves you so much money because so many festivals across the world are free to enter. And so once I got on the bandwagon of getting, first of all, just getting your English subtitles is amazing because once you get your English subtitles, a lot of film festivals will just take your film. Foreign festivals will take your film, your film with the English subtitles and make subtitles for you. So I think that the first festival I got and that was um, I submitted it with English subtitles was to Morbido and then they wanted Spanish subtitles. But then all the festivals after that that I entered, they all made the they all made the subtitles for me. And it opened up this incredible world in Europe where all the festival. First of all, like I went on other other sites because people always want to just go on Film Freeway. Well, there's Fest Home, there's Short Film Depot and you can find like the most amazing freaking festivals on there. But your film has got to have some subtitles. But by the time you're done, you're, you're, you know, so I would, what I would do is I go on those, those sites and I'd look every week and see what the, what the ones coming up were, you know, and then I'd see, is that right for me? And if it's free to enter a couple bucks, what do you have to lose? Nothing. If you got your subtitles. And then you're also having a long game if you have your subtitles, because then if you get picked up up by a sales rep or you do it yourself, then you can, which is harder to do it yourself to get your film distributed in Europe. But if you have a sales rep, then they can go and sell your film in France and Germany because you already have the subtitles. So I, you know, so like, and the other thing is, is a lot of people would say to me, um, can I have your list? You know, because I want to know, I want to know which ones to enter. And I would say, well, first of all, Every film's different. So my film was an 18 minute film. So I didn't, there was festivals I couldn't enter because it was too long, too long. Mm-hmm. My film was a comedy horror. And it, and I, and the, and the thing about doing your own list and going out there and researching and, and, and like looking at these festivals and, and seeing, looking at their websites is pretty soon you start to get a real feel of what's out there what your film might be right for. Now you're always surprised by what your film gets in. Like sometimes you think, Oh, for sure. That's a shoe. And other times you don't, you know, mm-hmm. but you do <laughs> get a feel, you do get a feel. And, and, and I can't say enough, even though it's a lot of work to create a list, um, you know, about what, first of all, the film, the festivals that you think will fit your film, the festivals that are free, <laughs> mm-hmm. the festivals that maybe are Oscar and you, and you make that list and you also put the early bird down. So you know that, you know, how much money you're spending or, you know, how to weigh it. Once you've made that list, it's like, you kind of feel, I mean, I like, I really got like a real feel of what's out there and what, right. and what to submit to and how, and how to do it and how to get stuff going. So I think it's really important. Like I give filmmakers all the time. I'm like, Hey, you know, like I'll see their film. I'll be like, I bet this film would be great for this or this or this. Like mm-hmm. I'll give, I'll, I'm happy to like tell people that, but I, but I don't like when people say, can I have your list? Cause I'm like, how is my list that's specific for my film going to help your film? Right. So you have to right. take that time. You have to take that time to create that list. And I was coming from uh, ground zero too. Like I had never been on the festival route. I didn't know. About, I mean, you know, I knew, I knew Sundance. You know, <laughs> South by Southwest. Yeah, so, so, yeah, the five, the top five. Can, you know? Toronto. Yeah. 
and just got to get out there and just kind of like, and then another way that I did it too, is I decided that I wanted my lunch ladies to go all over the world. So I'd be like, oh, oh God, I got to get in a festival in Venezuela. I haven't been in a festival in Venezuela, and which lunch ladies have not been in Venezuela yet, which is still trying. But do they, um, they, they didn't pay your way though, right? You, you paid your own way? No, no, pay? I didn't. I mean, I meant like my, my film, like I had this feel, like I would create, I created a map of where they had been oh, okay. because I loved the idea of them going to these, out, you know, places like in December, it's going to be in Bali. Nice. I mean, it's still going, you know? So like, there's something so amazing about having your film be seen all over the world. So that's another way to do it. Like, has your film been seen in Spain? And to not give, to not give up because it can take a while to break into a country. And then once you break in, it's like the programmers all talk to each other and they get to, right. and you, they hear about you and the Europeans, especially like, I feel like the programmers there really talk to each other and really share films and really they'll play your film more than once. So, you know, that's another way to look to, to do it too, is like ge geographically or like which States have I not been into if you can't decide which ones to enter, you know? So the, the thing, uh, I think one of the big problems that filmmakers have as well is they always focus on the top five or 10, the sun dances and the slam dances and these, right. kind of, and these kind of festivals. And the, the, I always tell them, I'm like, the chances of you getting your film in are so astronomical. I mean, it was like 30,000 submissions to, to, to Sundance last right. year. And, you know, 110, including shorts, right. get in. So it's so astronomical to get into those kind of things. And they feel like they're failures when they don't get into the big the big 10 or the big 20 even. Right. Um, and, I, and I always tell them, it it's not about you. It's not personal. It's not about your film. Exactly. You're not hitting what they are looking for that year. That year, they really might be into this kind of film with this kind of filmmaker attached to it. It's political. Mm -hmm. It has little to do with the quality of your film, to be honest with you, because mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of good projects that don't get in. And then I see projects sometimes that like, I, I never forgot this. And forgive me if there's a filmmaker who did this, but I couldn't, I, I was so angry. I was at Sundance, <laughs> it was set Sundance. And I, I went I went to the shorts of a shorts block and I see it was called Batman goes on a date or Robin goes on a date. Okay. And it's Justin Long as Robin. Okay. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And Sam Rockwell as Batman. And 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 Robin and Justin is like, you know, trying to go on a date. And then Batman's trying to basically move in on Robin's date. And that's the short film. And I'm sitting there going, if that was done with anybody other than Justin and Sam Rockwell, no, it, it would have never made the Sundance block. And I go, that's just that just upset me because I was like. I don't have access to Sam and Justin, uh, right. especially in, in 2005. So you know that it just was like, but that's the way the game is played. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And sometimes you'll get, you know, and then sometimes you'll get the, the Cinderella stories. And sometimes you'll get people who don't have names get into those festivals, of course, based on their quality and things like that. But that was just one example. It's like, oh, it's not really about <laughs> my yeah, project. I mean, I... I find that like you have to go for the big ones. Sure. Cause it's fun. But also sometimes like there's ones that are like just so that open up so many freaking doors. I've had festivals that have opened up so many doors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that that maybe if 
that, you know, because I've seen, I mean, I, I talk about this. So, like, you know, I didn't, my film did not get in Sundance. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but, and well, mine, my, my neither, by the way. So <laughs> you're in good company. You uh, know, but then my film got in um, Claremont Ferrand, and that was the festival that I needed to get it going. Sure. But, 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 you know, there's plenty of people. I mean, Claremont Ferrand is the most amazing festival in the world, but there's plenty of people who don't know who Claremont Ferrand is right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know i got you know or i'd get in that one or i'd get in some small or or i'd enter some small festival that i couldn't get in or i'd enter another festival that nobody had heard of but that festival would open another door for something else so like the idea is like to check out the festivals and make sure they have a real thing going you know to know that they're legit they're not a feel-good faker and to really just be thankful when you get in them and not you know, like it was, it was a total crazy thing when it got in that one. And I wasn't even in the competitive section mm-hmm. and it still was like the most amazing thing in the world. But like, I didn't get in South by Southwest. I didn't get in, you know, a ton of, but there's always a festival that's, that is for your film and you just got to get out there and just submit, submit, submit and realize, you know, like when I actually did a whole, a whole chapter about that, about why your film doesn't get in festivals. Because it's a mind fuck. If you if you go down that path to start believing that your film is bad, you'll drop out. And I talk to people that'll be like, oh, I've entered 10 festivals <laughs> and I only got in one, so I'm dropping out. And I'm like, you know, the average is 10% of the festivals that you get in. So that means you're going to, the average film gets in only 10% of the festivals. Oh, yeah. So you uh, got to just get out there and keep, and you can't have a, you know, like there's people that I, right. I know, oh, that's a small festival. You know, some of the smallest festivals have been the most amazing Oh, they're the best. They're the best. Festivals ever. I went to, I went to, um, well, I, I, with my first film, I, I, I got into so many festivals, but I got into my first 35 festivals turned down from all the major festivals. Cause I had a 20 minute, right. You know, action thriller, uh, not the film festival. Darling, right. You know, darling. Uh, <laughs> so I, you know, I got into a lot of genre and all that stuff, but after 35 episodes, 35, uh, festivals, I had spent about a thousand dollars in submission fees. So I was just like, I didn't know anything about anything. I was just trying to just You would think it. about the free festivals in Europe? <laughs> I, there was no free festivals in Europe. I didn't know about any of that stuff. And right. subtitling cost $10 a minute. So uh-huh. <laughs> back then, so it was a whole other world. Um, but then after a while, I was like, well, I got into 35 festivals. Um, no festival that I'm going to get into from this point on is going to explode my career. It's the way I thought about it. So I'm like, right. I just boycotted paying for festivals anymore. <laughs> so this is, <laughs> I just said, I'm not going to pay for any more festivals. Now, right. uh, what I did at that point is I didn't stop submitting. I submitted to everybody. And because my branding and my marketing was was so on point with the trailer, my trailer was watched 20,000 times back in 2005. Wow. So it was a whole lot like, you know, it's, I think it's so one amazing. of the first trailers ever on youtube i'm so old it was like i i looked it up i looked it up the other day i looked it up the other day and i was like oh my god am i the first movie trailer ever on youtube and i found i think sony classics had put one up a month earlier oh my god i love it so uh so it it, and it's still up there and it's got like 20 30 uh, views back then i've seen it it's a great trailer yeah so 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 because of that uh, I was very confident. I was like, hey, look, I already got to these other festivals. So what I would do is I would submit to everybody. I mean, right. I did not discriminate. I submitted to everybody that w- could be submitted to. And then they would go back. I'm like, oh, we like your film. I'm like, great. 
uh, if you if I'm accepted, I'll be more than happy to pay your submission fee. But I'm not going to pay a submission fee if for the mere chance of getting in, because at this point in the game, I'm not going to throw another three or four thousand. Right. And uh, I it worked enough that I got into another couple. And it does. get Yeah. I mean, the truth is, is like, you, you know, if you if you get that role going, then it, people it, start to come to you. Right. And, I start, and it and takes I, a little bit, you know, like it's building, you know, Jerome Kershon calls it the, a pedigree. It's building that pedigree. I didn't realize that that's what I was doing when I was like, you know, emailing every single day, you know, someone to write about my film, no matter how small it was, like every mm-hmm. single day, like just just building these reviews, building these reviews, just creating this buzz for my film so that after about. I would say it took a it took a while, but about six or seven months, then I started having people come to me saying, "Can I see the film? You don't have to pay the you don't have to pay the submission fee. Can I see the film? You know." Yeah, it takes know. it takes a minute. It takes a minute, but once you're able to build up that momentum at a certain point, yep. and don't get me wrong, I got a lot of film festivals that was like, "Yeah, no, we need you to yeah <laughs> uh, to pay the submission." I'm like, "That's fine. I'm not going to." Yeah, and, I mean, you hustle it in the beginning, and you, you always got to hustle through the whole thing. But oh. it does. But when it starts snowballing, and you start getting like people excited and hearing about it and stuff like that, then then it becomes even becomes even more worth it, you know, because you're getting some positive reinforcement. <laughs> and some of the best experiences I've ever had at festivals are always been the small ones because yeah. it's it's a it's a kind of a mom and pop. Like, you know, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody knows you. They treat you like family. Whereas in uh, some larger festivals, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who shall remain nameless? Yeah, but, uh, I think I could go over that with you. We can uh, talk about that after. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's one specifically in L.A. Uh, I think I'm on board uh, with that same one. <laughs> yeah. And um, that specific one uh, in 2005. Uh, it's not Holly Shorts, by the way. I love Holly Shorts. Mm-hmm. Um it, but I, in 2005, I submitted and got accepted and it was a very big one. It was an Oscar, whatever, nice. you know, a, 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 a qualifier and all this kind of stuff. I flew my ass across the country, put myself up in Hollywood. Can you imagine? I was in a hotel in Hollywood. Oh my God. It's me and my friend. I never forgot it. Me and my, me and my producing partner, we got into this hotel room and the beds no the beds were they were so they were so close to each other it almost seemed com- comedic like you walk in like you're like trains and automobiles i'm like is this is this a cleaning closet and then like out front when i walk into like you know marilyn monroe stayed here once i'm like i'm sure she did but jesus guys um so yeah, I, I, so it, it caught it cost us a couple you know probably a thousand bucks fifteen hundred bucks if not right. more back to go over there so we get to our screening we, we're in a block with everybody else and then at the end no q a no q a uh, only thing i uh, wanted it was a q a and I, I talked to the, the programmers there and, and everyone's like sorry can't do it we're running late i'm like Dude, and oh, by the way, I wasn't even the worst. Another another poor filmmaker in that block flew from Spain, and oh. he didn't get his his, and he only had the one screening. Yeah, and that was, that, and, there's nothing. So, yeah. so like, and that off air, I'll tell you uh, some other stories. But um, <laughs> but uh, but 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 the, but some of these smaller festivals, like there's a, a wonderful festival down in Florida called the Melbourne uh, Independent mm-hmm. Film Festival. I know those guys really well. They love filmmakers. They treated me like like gold down there. And they're wonderful. Uh, There's so many great film festivals out there that that will treat filmmakers well. Um, So don't always look at the big boys. The big boys... No, you do you do a nice little mix and then you know yeah. now that 
And now that they have, you know, Fest Home and Short Film Depot, you can enter the foreign festivals for like next to nothing. And 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 and, and I've had just met so many amazing people. Yeah, no, so let, let's so talk many about, amazing people in the foreign festivals. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the experience of working a festival because a lot of filmmakers just go there with their eyes full of shiny golden lights <laughs> and they're like oh look the red have carpet no expectations like they i have, had when tomorrow read <laughs> yeah, exactly you're like oh my god this is gonna be amazing it's gonna be like because oh, all you think about is sundance so you think right. everything's gonna be like i'm gonna walk the red carpet we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show there's going to be people taking pictures of me. Everyone's going to yeah. want to talk to me about my genius and about my 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 uh, artistic uh, expression. Well, how amazing and, I am. Uh, how amazing <laughs> I am. And, and then eventually, obviously, Steven Spielberg or somebody is going to watch He's this. He's going to notice me for sure. Obviously, from going to that first <laughs> festival. So when you get there, so can we talk a little bit about how to actually work a festival, how to take advantage of what they have to offer and things like that. Because a lot of filmmakers just go there completely clueless about what this is and what the true opportunities are and what the true complete delusions. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So one thing is that you can do is you can always work a festival, even if you're not there. Oh, so that means when you, you talk to the programmers, so they know who you are, like, don't be a pain in the ass, but you know, talk to them and say, you know, can I send postcards? Can I, can I send a poster? And I mean, I've sent them to Europe as many times as I could, because if, because if you're not going to be there, at least your postcards will be there. And I will tell you, like, even if you're not there the first part of the week and you're coming the second part of the week, you want your postcards there on the table. I've had distributors that have gone to see the film because there was a postcard on the freaking table, even though I wasn't there. So that's the first way to work your festival is to make sure, you know, and you got it. You have to ask because sometimes festivals don't want your swag and they don't want all that. But like, you know, tr- you got to try to have a presence. Then, you know, I earned learned early on. Don't have expectations about how you think it's going to go. So I have a funny story about Morbido Fest, which I just, I love it so much. But when I went there, I missed my film both times. The first time I got in an Uber accident, first, first I was in such a bad, uh, it was like, you know, that James Bond movie. I got stuck in a day of the dead parade and I was running and I was sobbing and I was like, mi película, which was the only Spanish words I knew. And I was running and I was like, I I couldn't, the, the taxi cab driver dropped me off on the side of the freeway. I ran up, I ran into this huge parade. I got to my film right when it was over and got to do the, the Q&A with mascara running down my face. So the was, second time. I mean, it was a horror comedy, so that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> with freaking, what is it, 2,000 miles to, to No, I know. To, to do this. To, to do this. Film, right? Right, right. And then the second time, uh, the, the film played twice. I was like, I'm going to get there really early. So I got there really early, you know, like had a gin and tonic, like talked to people. And then I found out two minutes before that it was canceled. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then I got in a second Uber accident on the way home. Of course. So like you would think this would be like the worst situation, right? Well, it, it wasn't because first of all, I like I said, I I, I I was telling you earlier, I had stood in line for the opening night and I met my director there that of my current film. So if mm-hmm. I hadn't gone to Morbido Fest, I never would have met him. Right. I met the programmer was just so wonderful. Like I, I talked to him so many times. They've been so supportive. I wrote about them in my book. So you could look at that experience as like, 
oh my God, that was the worst experience in the world because you have this expectation that you're going to go to the Morbido Fest, which is this amazing festival in Mexico City. You're going to be like hobnobbing it. You're going to, oh, and also I went to a, I, there was supposed to be a party and I went to, I was there by myself. I didn't speak Spanish. So there was supposed to be a party. I go to the party and the guy goes, uh, no party here, no party here. So I went to a bar by myself, drink, you know, margarita. And the next morning I saw on Instagram that they were all partying at the place where they told me there was no party. So, so it was that kind of like weak, but like, but at the same time, like, that's when I was like, I'd already kind of gotten, I'd gone to a few festivals where it was like your expectation of what it's, you, you have no freaking idea what it's going to be. But like, if you can just open it, open yourself up to it, something always, something amazing always comes out of it. Even the worst festivals. I've been to horrible festivals where I meet just one person that's so freaking amazing and they become like my best buddy and they help me so much. So the first thing is like, try not to have expectations and know that something positive will always come out of it. And then you want to be as prepared as possible with all your stuff. So like there was many times when I was the only one there with a poster and, a, oh. and an easel. Oh my God. A poster and an easel, postcards, all that. I stuff. mean, I know that sounds simple. It's a pain in the ass to bring it, but yeah, if you have a poster and an easel, people will see, will tend to go to see your film over other people's films. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's just an interesting, the whole thing. I remember when I first, my first, I never forgot my first film festival I ever got into. Um, because I didn't know anything about premieres or if there was premieres or anything like that. So I submitted uh, and got into the Ocean City Film Festival in New Jersey. Uh, it's, awesome. it, it, it's amazing. Wait a minute. It gets better. Uh, I won Best Director. That's right. Awesome. Like, right. First, first festival. And oh I'm like, God, like I'm like, this is going to be easy. <laughs> like, obviously, everyone's seeing my genius situation. Like, everyone's seeing my genius right away. This is, oh, I should, I should be directing a studio movie within a year. Exactly. And, and then I didn't get another award for like a year. <laughs> yeah, that's hard too. Like when you get in the, you don't get, you get rejected by, then you get, then you, then you don't, you, you know, cause it comes in waves. I oh, mean, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. it comes in waves. You'll get accepted to a bunch and then you, it'll be like eight or nine rejections. Oh yeah. It's, so it's, I feel never going to get in another festival. <laughs> no, no, it's crazy. But so, but the best part was when I looked them up um, and again, guys, this was 2005, uh, when I looked it up on their website, which if you could imagine what a 2005 website done by somebody who doesn't know what a website is, it's absolutely brilliant. It was my film was being played at like Billy Bob's Crab Shack. Oh and that was where they were holding the festival. They were like basically just projecting it in the back of the bar. And I this guy it. and I think that went on for like two or three um, I think it went on for two, three years and then it closed. What a great after. story. But one, I wish I would have gone. I wish I would have gone. That would have been amazing. But, yeah. uh, but you just never, <clears throat> you never know who you're going to meet. My best, my best story of working a festival is working Sundance because I didn't get into Sundance, but I worked it. Yep, so in, in 2005, when my first film came out, my first short broken came out, I flew to Sundance, even though we got rejected. And we were just going to like make sure everybody at Sundance knew about our film. And we literally walked Main Street on Park in Park City with a DVD, portable DVD player. Oh, my gosh. Showing Great. people showing people tra uh, the trailer. And we had postcards all over the place. And people are like, yep. where, can you, where can I see this? And I would just send everybody to our website. And I got so much attention. We actually got more attention than most of the fest film, films. Yeah, you have to festival. put yourself out there. That's oh the other God. thing, you know, like even yeah. if you're afraid. And believe me, I'm, I, I, 
I mean, I was so happy to be like out there doing it. So like, sure. I was, you know, but, but I, but you, there is fear like that. Yo, oh. my, how, how am I going to talk to people? How, you know, and it's like, you just got to talk to people. You, you don't just pitch, pitch people. You get to know people and you like, and sometimes it's even better if you don't have your, sometimes it's even better. It's funner if you have your team with you, but sometimes it's better even if you're by yourself because you yeah. meet more people that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that was it that year that we did it. I think one year we actually wrote, <laughs> We created our own passes so we oh can get to parties. So we actually created a, a, like this ridiculous pass that would not fool anybody. But again, this is 2005, so Sundance was a little bit different. And it just said all access. That's all it said. <laughs> it was just said all access. You have no idea. But that takes so much chutzpah. Like, I love that. Oh They're no probably idea. like knew, knew it was bullshit, but they were like, oh, man, we got to let these guys in because of you the chutzpah. You have no idea how many places we got it to because oh we, we acted like we were in the festival and we're like oh yeah 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 and this and we would leave our postcards at like sundance's like headquarters and then like yes. go back and then they're like who's this guy and you see it all in the garbage can so we pick him out of the garbage can we put him like it was just straight up it was just straight up hustling like hard hardcore stuff but we met hardcore hustling. but we met producers distributors that way we yep. had um, it led to me flying up to, they flew me up to Toronto to when we were going to try to make the feature and all this kind of craziness, all because we went to a festival that we weren't accepted in. Yeah. Now, you and know, you I, work it, you talk to people, you like got to really, I mean, oh, parties, was, parties, we were, we were, we parties. Were, like when I was at Monster Palooza, I just walked up and down the, the line because I knew that people <laughs> were there not to see films. And I just was like, here, here's a lunch lady's hair net. Will you please show up at my show? <laughs> All right. So this is, so this is, so this, I'm going to tell this story. I'm, I don't know if I should tell this story, but I think. Yes, I, please I, do. I, if it's I'm embarrassing, good. tell it. No. It's not embarrassing. It's actually a, it's a hack. It's one of the many hacks that yes. we discovered at Sunday. Give everybody the hacks, man. Okay. All, All right. So, passed, that was but, it, but it does affect somebody else. <laughs> so we knew, so, so because we were hustling so much, there was this one agent at CAA that we met there at some parties and he was a, he was a prick. Um, and he wasn't very nice, but we knew his name. So what we would do is we would go to a party up in the Hills at one of these giant houses <laughs> and they're like, where's the list? And like, hi, John, John Smith from CAA. And they're like, go right on in, Mr. Smith. And, and we would get there early before John would get there. <laughs> like, he and deserved we, that, man. That was we, like because he treated justice. Because he treated us badly. So and what we would do is, so I would get in and then I would walk in and I'd find an exit or somewhere and I would let my like buddy, my, and i let my buddy in on the side. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So we're there. Like, I never forgot it. We were at this giant house uh, in the middle of, you know, up in the hills in, in, in Park City. And we're like partying next to like Paul Walker, Elijah Wood, Paris Hilton was there at the time. Like all. Balls, man. <laughs> I mean, we were just like, this is awesome. Oh my God, I can't believe we're here. Like, I love that you did that. But that's, right. but, yeah, but you know, there was, I was younger. I was uh, <laughs> more foolish and, and, and things. Times were different, guys. Times were different. Yeah. But um, don't do that to any agents that are cool guys, please. But, uh, <laughs> but it was a way, to, it, it, it was, a, and we, and one other trick that we did is we got to Sundance probably a day too early while they were setting up and we became, and we became friends with the door guys. 
That's smart too. So we walked in, we became friends, we befriended them, we bought them a mm. couple of drinks here and there. So when the parties were happening on Main Street, we just walk up and like Bubba and Bubba would let us right in. Yep. And, and and that smart. was and that and we were able to get into parties that we had no business being in uh, whatsoever. None. None whatsoever. Like people are like, is that why who are these people? <laughs> What the hell? How do these idiots? What's all access? What is that about? So, um, oh no, I I should write a book just on my Sundance adventures. That's why I made my movie Ego and Desire because I love I just love my yeah. I just started watching it. I thought it's so funny <laughs> at the beginning. The girl's all pissed off like she's because she doesn't get all the credit. Well, <laughs> I mean, give... Because that never happens. Never happens in filmmaking ever. <laughs> never. Egos, egos in filmmaking. I never in a million years would that happen. Um, so, um, so let me get. Oh, and show up. The other thing too is to show up. Like if you can, if you, you can, know, it doesn't cost you a thousand dollars. Go to the festivals. Like I mean, I I saved a little nest egg, and I found out you know using Scott's flights, which is amazing, that you could go to Europe for pretty much the same price as you can go to New York City to see a festival. Because a lot of the foreign festivals will pay for your hotels, or they'll put for for you know food or whatever, you know. And I just can't tell you like how valuable it was just meeting just going and meeting it, people and especially if you're if you're not in la or new york or austin or or a hub where there's a lot of filmmakers or in atlanta um you you get to interact with your kind <laughs> your, yes. your your people you meet other filmmakers you meet other producers you meet other writers and the and the networking that you do at these festivals even if it's a little hole in the wall festival it's important there's somebody important. there that you can meet you have no idea who you can meet there and sometimes yeah. there's a panelist who's on a panel somewhere and you walk up afterwards yeah. and you and you introduce yourself and it's a weird thing at a festival like you couldn't do that on the streets of la but at a no, festival, festival but at a festival it, it's acceptable to a certain extent like if they're at the bar you can walk up to them and oh totally befriend yeah, them what do you hey, do yeah blah, totally. blah, blah, blah. do you have any advice all this stuff by the way if you do meet somebody uh at a festival that's like you know big writer big director big producer don't just start asking them for things please go no. up there and <laughs> go worst. can i buy you a drink uh you know what advice you know what advice do you have for me? but don't go hey can you see my movie hey That's can you hey hey i got this script don't 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 no. do that don't do that you know the other good way too is i know this goes without saying but this happened i mean this happened and i i talk about this in book too um Another way to, to to make sure that you work a festival is is freaking support the other filmmakers, see their films. And when you go to a block and your film is played, don't get up after yours is done. Watch the right. rest of the films. Right, because they'll see. Who do that. And that, like, really, nothing is, like, worse will than going to a block and somebody gets up in the middle after their film is done and doesn't watch the rest of the filmmakers to support them. Yeah, there's there's that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've I've been in those. I've been in those as well. And I I've been, like filmmakers are your like best. The, the the worst is when you get to a film when you're at a film festival and like the only people in the audience are you and the crew. Uh yeah. and that that's and there's like, okay, we bought the ten tickets. Okay. I see there's some sort of every once in a while there's a small audience and, and Yeah, which is great, which is great. And you're like, oh bummer, it's a small audience. But I've learned to love small audiences too, because sometimes you could have a huge audience and not a single person who could do anything for you. You could have a small audience and there's somebody there that can do, help you in some way or wants to help you. 
Right. So and, just never look down on even a small audience. You just don't know who's in that audience. I'll t- I'll, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell one more story. Um, when I was at the Toronto Film Festival in 2005 or six, uh, somebody, uh, one of the producers who I was working with at the time, they're like, hey, we're distributing this film. Here's a ticket to go see this film. It was like a like a uh, an independent film. Right. I'm like, cool. So I went and we sat there and um, I was with my partner, uh, my producing partner, and we look in the back and they're like, is that Roger Ebert sitting Shut up. in the corner of the theater? And he goes, I think it is. I'm like, let's go up and talk to him. This is before the movie starts. I'm like, let's let's go up and talk to Roger Ebert. So we walk up over to Roger Ebert and Roger, uh, you know, we're like, oh my God, Roger, you're like the best. Like, you know, we're such big fans of yours, all this stuff. So we're talking to Roger Ebert and all of a sudden, and then we start like, we start yapping about our film. Like, oh, and we got this, we've got our movie and we did it for like $8,000 and it's got like a hundred visual effects shots in it. And we shot it with its digital camera and it looks like film and all this kind of stuff. And we're just spewing things off. There is nowhere in my mind that I believe that Roger Ebert will ever watch my film. That's not even, that has not even crossed my mind at right. all. I'm just expressing, I'm just expressing Please my, tell me that he did. I'm just he expressing, did. I'm just expressing to Roger Eber, who's an idol of mine, what I've done as a filmmaker. Right. And then in the middle of the conversation, I see something change in his eyes and he kind of tilts his head and he goes, can I take a picture of you guys? And I said, sure, Roger Ebert, that would be awesome. Because <laughs> he had he had his like, he carried around the, you know, this is before iPhone. So he carried around his, you know, his, uh, his digital, his camera with him. So he... And he, you know, we take a picture. He takes a picture of both of us, and and I and the only ignorant thing in my mind is like, well, now I can ask him for a picture too because he asked for one of ours because I wasn't going to ask him for one until this happened because I'm not that guy. I didn't want to be like, hey, get a picture. Yeah, but no, you took one worry. of me, so now it's fair. I'm going to take a picture with you. And he's like, sure. So I got a picture with Roger, uh, and and then he's like, you know. This story would make a nice little uh, story for my blog about up and coming technologies and all of this kind of all the up and coming technologies and filmmakers using this stuff. I'm like, great. Would you like to watch our movie? Bam. Here's a DVD. And we happen to have our DVD with us. And he's like, sure, I'll, I'll I'll take it. So he took it. And we're like, great, you know, because originally as we were talking and talking, he's like, guys, I can't, I don't, I, I can't watch your film. I, it's not in the festival and I, I, there's only so, much, so many hours in a day I have. And we're like, Roger, of course, you're not going to watch our film. You're Roger Ebert. Why in God's right. green earth would you watch our little $8,000 short film from West Palm Beach, Florida? Like that right. makes no sense to me. That made him want to watch it, I'm sure. So then he grabbed it, he took it, and we're like, okay, he'll never watch that. But that was really nice of him to to, to do that. We got a picture with Roger Ebert. That's all we got. Right. So we fly back to Florida. When we land, our email's blowing up because everyone's like, Roger Ebert reviewed your film on his blog <gasps> and wrote a story about you, you guys. You just hit the jackpot. I'm like, what? And... We went to his website and oh my God, it's there. It's still that there. It's still, it's still so there. It's, it, he, he wrote a, a long article about a bunch of films he watched. And he, in that article, he also wrote about us that he watched the film. He gave us two lines in the movie, uh, effective and professional. Uh, what is it? What did he say? Oh God. I, I used to re- repeat it uh, like on verbatim, but he's like, oh, it, the mastery of horror imagery and techniques. I'm like, holy Love cow. It. 
Roger Ebert. But he was but he was vibing on your authenticity and your passion. So I would yeah. I had similar things happen like that. Not, but it was a situation at Clermont Ferrand where France 24, there's a million filmmakers yeah. and they came up to me and I got to have my little film on France 24, mm-hmm. you know, when it was That's in the competitive section. But he said, I said, why me? He goes, because you were so passionate and excited about your film. So that like translates, that's, you know, that's, you know, bringing that up. I'm sure that's why he probably was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to see these guys film, but your passion and your authenticity about it and not pushing (laughs) it. He was like, I got to see this. And I'll never forget. I will never forget that to the day I die, that a giant like Roger Ebert gave a little, a little, he sprinkled a little magic dust on our, on us. And then from that, there ever was still the best, still the best film critic in history of film critics. Yeah. But he, uh, because of that quote and because of that attention, I, that was my lead with every festival. I'm like, Roger Ebert reviewed it. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Roger Ebert. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. Like when you, you never know like who's going to be there and what your in is going to be. I mean, I've talked about this before. Like I've, I've been in festivals, you know, with films that had gone to Sundance where they, the people in Sundance didn't, their film, they did nothing with their film. They didn't promote it. They were just like, I'm, I was in Sundance, right? Their film didn't go anywhere. (laughs) It just, it was in Sundance and that was it. Right. So where, you got so you know like you you don't have to get in sun you know it's it's what you do with your film where and who you the passion that you exude when you're yeah. you're there and you you meet oh, Roger Ebert. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's, it was the most and it was such an it was like like you were talking about earlier is like how do these things happen? There was no reason for us to be there. There would have been because never passion drew in. Everything, telling... everything just happened. Like I met this person I'm like that they zippy. Like I feel like you just drew that dude to you. No, no. There's, there, yeah, there was an energy there thing there, no yeah. question. But then you're like, okay, here's a ticket to the screening of this obscure independent film from Australia. Then and then I just happened to but go. You sit showed there. up. And I showed up and oh my God, there's like the universe gave me the ticket. And a lot of people be like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to go have a drink with my buddy. You know, you know, like I'm going to go. Never and that was the door no. that opened. And that and that that one moment door, that man. one moment opened up so many doors and I got called by, like I said, Oscar winning producers. Oh my god, yeah. All this That's kind of like, stuff. I mean the most amazing uh, stamp of approval for Yeah, it was a it, and for a short film that wasn't in the festival in two thousand five. He doesn't even He doesn't he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't yeah, do I mean, he doesn't I think this shorts. is one of the only times I've ever heard him even reviewing a short. And when I say review, I use that term very loosely. He watched it and gave me two, two yeah, sentences. He talked about it and he said something about it and you can use it. And it was Absolutely. positive. Exactly. He said something positive. It was, I mean, geez. And, he, and he was so kind. I could have said something negative. <laughs> but he was the thing about him is he he was kind when he didn't need to be kind. He was supportive when he didn't need to be supportive. And that is a, that is the hallmark of of a great great person in our business because and I've heard this I've heard similar stories about uh, Steven Spielberg uh, constantly yeah. throughout I, and I interview many of his collaborators I've spoken to many people who've worked with him uh, on the writing side on the cinematography side on the producing side and I hear the same things about Steven that he does things behind the scenes that you're just like. Oh my Whoa. God, he has no reason to be, he, he, there's no need for him to be. Too. You always hear good stuff about James Cameron. Uh, James Cameron. Well, James Cameron. I mean, I love Jim. I mean, Jim's Jim. He's 
there's no other filmmaker like I him. I hear a lot of stuff, like good stuff behind the scenes about him. I've heard he does good stuff too. He helps. He helps when he can help. I've heard. Yeah. There's also those legendary stories about his uh, temper on set. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but he's he's mellowed over the years, and I know a lot of people who've worked with Jim as well. Um, I actually know one of his neighbors. Uh, so and he told me stories. I was like. <laughs> He has what? Uh, so um, what does he do? That's amazing. Uh, but there's there's these giants who who are kind when they don't need to be kind. You know, uh, I, I got a I got a, a, an autograph from George Lucas. In the middle so cool. of it from when he was I having see lunch. Stanley, is that a Stanley Kubrick autograph too? Yeah, no, that's just his book. I wish that was a Stanley Kubrick oh. autograph. Uh, but uh, but yeah, like he didn't have. Yeah, he, he didn't have to be that nice. So there's these giants who are nice and are that don't need to be nice. And that's such a refreshing thing. And Roger Ebert's story is yeah. one of those. But anyway, so that's an incredible we could keep we could, we could keep yapping about this for hours. Where can people uh buy your, where can people buy your book? Um, so you can get it at my website. Hey, I'm Clarissa J. Or you can get it um uh Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Target, Sunbury Press uh, published it, so you can get it there. Nice. Um, if you get it from my website, I'll send you some lunch lady swag. Sign <laughs> <inside laughs> the book. Um, if you get it from Amazon, you're probably gonna get it cheaper. Or you can get it on a Kindle. Um, nice. You know, so yeah. Is it an audiobook yet or not yet? No, it's not. You, I you, thought, need, I do you voiceover, need, so right I now. About doing it right now. That my butt. When you stop, when you stop talking to me, you're gonna st- <laughs> start recording your audiobook. And we'll talk okay. about it afterwards. Um, oh, I'm going to ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. Uh, what yeah. advice would you have for a filmmaker trying to break into the business today? Uh, the biggest thing for me always is to surround yourself, to find a class and surround yourself with uh, people that will hold you up and help you and to keep learning. So, What is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film industry or in life? Uh, that I am enough. Um, everybody talks a lot about filmmakers and and artists having egos but you know I always felt and I know a lot of people feel this way that you just I just wasn't no matter how many classes I took that I just or or, or no matter how much I did it that there was that I I just wasn't enough that I, I couldn't you know and then when I just kind of set back into like I'm enough and they're either gonna get me or not get me things started to turn for me like when you have, when you can find that belief in yourself and I have this, like, I have this crazy story, like when I'm in my twenties. So I, I, when I was an actress, I, I wanted to be on mad TV and I like, I, and this is a perfect example. I wanted to be on mad TV and I just bugged them and bugged them and bugged them for an audition. And I finally get to go to this audition and you had to do three characters in an impersonation. So I decide that I'm going to dress up as my character, which was a bingo lady, Betty, the bingo lady and carry a, a suitcase with all my clothes and do my whole like little stand up thing with them. So I show up to the audition and I'm the only one dressed up and all these girls are kind of talking. And I hear like the, the lady at the front desk doesn't know that I hear, but I hear her go, Clarissa Jacobson's here. <laughs> you should see her. Right. And I felt so mortified and so embarrassed instead of just being in that place of like, mm-hmm. fucking hey, I'm awesome. I showed up. So I went and I did my audition. I did. Okay. I wasn't, I just was like, I was off. I was off because I was upset about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't get, I didn't get on Mad TV. But years later, I read that Pee Wee Herman did the same thing for Saturday Night Live. And the difference between him and me was he was so completely in his own, like, fuck, yeah, I'm showing up in my clothes. I'm going to do my thing. And he owned it. 
And I look back as like a younger artist about think just not owning my yeah. ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. Uh, it, it was so funny because I've actually in my first feature, I worked with Deborah Wilson and uh, and Jill Michelle Million, both Mad TV alumni. Oh, really? Yes. And they tell me stories all the time about oh my God, that's the, awesome. the golden days of Mad TV and stuff. But like I just that. was like if, so many times if I had just owned because I actually had a freaking good idea. I mean, it was good enough for Pee Wee Herman. It's, you it's know, the, those girls were just being haters. They were just being haters, you know, and, and if you could just be authentic with who you are that yep. is what's that's what makes you stand out yeah if you're authentic and you own your space like andy kaufman come on oh, totally. i mean come on you mean like you look at andy kaufman he owned everything he did to a level that is beyond normal human capacity exactly. and he did it so, at he did it at such a level that they're just like well we he's we don't understand what he's doing let him sit next to that record player and sing Mighty in Mighty Mouse. I just love him. Like it's you like, oh my God. It's like, but that's the yeah, authenticity. If you show up the new idea. Don't let the haters get you down. Own it. Own it. Own it. Own it. And you three know? of your and three of your favorite films of all time. Uh the Mexican film Santa Sangre. I don't know if you've seen that. I it vaguely sounds familiar. Okay. A girl walks home alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, 16 candles. <laughs> nice mix. <laughs> I just think John Hughes is a genius. I John was can write teens. Like even today, nobody writes teens like John Hughes. Amen. Amen. Uh, but Calista, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been an thank absolute you. joy. It was really fun. It's been a really? joy talking to you. And uh, I hope, it, I hope a whole bunch of filmmakers go out and, and read the book. Cause it is a guide to really helping you with through these treacherous waters and, <laughs> And uh, I, I appreciate you. So thank you again for being on the show. Thanks so much, Alex. It was really fun. I want to thank Clarissa so much for coming on the show and dropping her knowledge bombs on the tribe. Thank you so much, Clarissa. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at bulletproofscreenwriting.tv forward slash 301. Thank you so much for listening, guys. As always, keep on writing no matter what. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast at BulletproofScreenwriting.tv.